into the arms of Davis. And the superior team all season long was the superior team tonight. And the Kentucky coronation is complete. Champions 2012. Benny Snell needs five yards to break Sonny Collins' career rushing record. They give it to Benny. Straight ahead. Ten. Five. Touchdown. And a rushing record for Benny Snell Jr. of Kentucky. The All Out Kentucky Podcast. Welcome in to the All Out Kentucky Podcast. Your home for the Kentucky Wildcats basketball and football program. I am your host, A.J. Bradley, and I am joined, as always, by my brother and co-host, Sam Bradley. On today's episode, we will cover the win down in Oxford on Tuesday night and then dive into the Florida Gators as they come to Lexington this weekend. We will also update our SEC power rankings with nine games left to play before the conference tournament. Tuesday night, it was a cold and icy one down in Oxford, and most of the seats inside the pavilion were empty as fans struggled to find their way to the arena. The Rebels, though, did not seem to mind and started the game on fire, jumping out to a 15-8 lead. Xavier Wheeler got the start due to Cason Wallace being out with a knee injury, and despite the fast start for the home team, Kentucky was able to claw their way back in in the first half and heading into the locker room. It was a tie ball game with a score of 32-32. to At that point, it looked like the Cats were in trouble and in a tough position with Cason Wallace unavailable to play and Xavier Wheeler leaving the first half due to an ankle injury. But that's not what we got, folks. The Wildcats were able to build a lead in the second half and never let the Rebels get close again, winning by a final score of 75-66 to to cover the seven-point spread on the road. So how did they do it? Well, it all starts with the play of Antonio Reeves. He finishes with a game-high 27 points with 17 of those coming in the second half. He did it all as he was able to find the spot, soft spots in the defense and knock down threes, going six of seven beyond the arc. Once he hit some threes, the Rebels tried to run him off the three-point line, but that didn't work either as Reeves was able to hit a few in the mid-range, attack the basket for layups, and drew some fouls where he stepped to the line and went five for five. Following in his footsteps was Footsteps was Jacob Toppin, who stayed locked in and aggressive all night, finishing with 18 points, 4 assists, and 3 rebounds as he shoots 7 of 14 from the field. Even though Oscar Shibwe was doubled and tripled and even quadruple teamed all night long, he still found a way to notch his 13th double-double of the season as he hauls in a game-high 11 rebounds and chips in 14 points of his own. Chris Livingston was asked to play extended minutes in this one, and he came through. A physical presence all night long as he hauls in seven rebounds for the Wildcats while also using up all five fouls that he has allowed during the course of the game. We saw Damian Collins come in and have an impact, throwing down a massive transition dunk and getting to the free throw line. Adu Thero ran the point in spurts and held the fort down with his ability to not turn the ball over and compete at a high level on defense. And lastly, folks, Xavier Wheeler. Mentioned him earlier, but we'll expand on him now. He goes down with an ankle injury near the end of the first half and didn't know if he'd be able to come back in the game. Well, he comes out of the locker room, guts it out, and on one bad ankle, he really plays well. He ends the game with nine assists to only one turnover and ran the offense with authority, pushing the pace, and making good decisions with the basketball. One of his best games of the season at a time where we absolutely needed it. All right, Sam, I've dissected the play of the Wildcats individually, but we need to break this down and explain how we ended up walking away with a nine-point victory. Yeah, man. Thanks for bringing us in there, and thanks for kind of uh, 
taking an inside look at some of the individual performances, but this was a must-win scenario for the Wildcats. It was a cold, weird Tuesday afternoon, or evening, rather, and, you know, not a lot of fans in the crowd, which might make you think, oh, it's that much easier because you don't have the ruckus of the crowd, but, you know, I also have to argue that it's a little unnatural to walk into a gym that's that's majority empty aj it feels like a practice or a walkthrough or a scrimmage so um you know you get a little sluggish start there uh nothing of concern but you got to hand it to Ole Miss they were ready to roll but um you know overall it was just a level compete and fight that came out of the Wildcats I mean everyone that stepped on the floor aj and you listed a lot of players had to step up and give us some critical minutes I mean Chris Livingston gave got, gave us some ample minutes and Damian Collins comes in off the bench and you know we, we get minutes from nearly everyone and all of them were able to impact the play in the game one way or another which was critical because it was an unorthodox game you know you don't have your your go-to point guard that we've transitioned our offense through the last four or five games AJ and now okay we got to shift back to to Wheeler and you know, he shows his heart and his fight, AJ, because he goes down with a tweaked ankle and you don't know if he's coming back in this game. I can guarantee you we might have not lost AJ, but it was going to be a different outcome than what it was without severe Wheeler. I mean, I'll give some credit. A Tiro was able to come in and was able to spark a little play. But, you know, I, I think our ability to make plays happen down the stretch would have been limited far more than obviously what severe Wheeler was able to give us. I mean, nine assists, one turnover, which didn't come until the very end of the game when they were putting on some full court pressure. So uh, overall took care of the basketball and really took care of this Kentucky Wildcats team that looked to him to step up in a big moment. So, you know, overall, AJ, you kind of hit on the numbers, but Antonio Reeves went off, man. I mean, that guy is a absolute flamethrower and he does it in an ample of ways I know the majority of his scoring came from behind the arc but at one point the uh the SEC announcers when he had just hit his second shot which was from deep AJ he he said you know this is a one-dimensional score and he really loves to just knock it down from deep and I chuckled and me and you were texting each other I said no 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 you are mistaken and sure enough he backs his performance up AJ with 27 big ones wanted 30 but you know, he had a hell of a night. But when you, you when you alluded to the fact that he was able to get himself free, um, you know, I, I want to offer our listeners how he was able to do that and how the, the Wildcats were able to get him the ball, which it's, it's starting to become surprising numbers to me, AJ, because this is a team that in Kim Palm efficiency numbers is towards the bottom of the barrel as far as how many possessions we have per game, AJ. We, we tend to play at a very slow pace. However, when we're out in transition, it's startling now to look at the numbers and see how effective and efficient we are because that's where Antonio Reeves is thriving, AJ. So when we look at some of these numbers for when we're getting out in transition, which is what Antonio Reeves was really able to do, he now, AJ, is shooting 43, or no, the team is shooting 43 for 108 which is nearly 40% from three when in transition. Antonio Reeves alone, AJ, is 25 for 55, which is startling over 45% from the three-point line when we're out in transition. He's really starting to become that amazing outlet. He knows how to run the floor, and our guards, and even our bigs are, are getting a great habit of when they get out in transition really looking for Antonio Reeves to stretch that floor and to be able to find him because defenses have a really hard time finding him because there's a couple of factors but it's either severe or case in AJ bringing that ball up who has an incredible knack for getting to the basket and then you also have a big in Oscar Shibwe, who is the best big in the country running the floor. So he, he demands the presence to be sucked in down low. And that's why we're able to fa- find Antonio Reeves. So realistically, I mean, shooting 45% from three-point line in transition is large in part to the success that he's finding right now, AJ. And then it, I got to give you some credit. It's that floater. It, it's that ability to 
demand the pressure out to the perimeter and then taking them in off the dribble AJ and finishing under duress because, uh, you know, let's admit it. He maybe isn't the best finisher around the rim, but he's been able to develop that part of the game where it's really starting to bleed defenses because they don't know whether to full pressure out at the perimeter or, or try to make him settle for a harder contested floater that he's been able to, to start knocking down at a consistent rate. So, you know, for me, AJ, it started honestly with that transition offense and overall, I mean, let's admit it. This has been a Kentucky offense this year that has been heavily scrutinized both in the national media and within big blue nation. And for the first time this season, AJ, after this win against Ole Miss, the Kentucky Wildcats now have a top 25 efficient offense in Ken Palm ratings in the entire country. So when we break down the numbers, we really can't put the crutch under the offense anymore, AJ. It's not there. I mean, we are starting to find our rhythm, and I really do think it has been since the transition of how we run our offense with more Kaysen at the point because we've got these shooters surrounded around Oscar, and teams are starting to pretty almost every single night start doubling Oscar, AJ. I mean, there's been one team to mess around and not try to double and look at the monstrous performance he had. So you can almost guarantee that every team we go up against is going to throw some sort of double package at Oscar to be able to try to limit his productivity and explosiveness. But since we've done that, I mean, when we look at our last four games in SEC, AJ, we've had 75 points with 63 possessions, 69 points and 58 possessions, 76 points in 69 possessions and 85 points on 71 possessions. So, I mean, obviously, as you see that trend, the more possessions we're able to have, the the efficiency stays right there. So I love to see that we've really started to come into our own offensively and we've been able to really learn how to share the basketball. I mean, our assist numbers are right there in reflection of better offense, higher in assists per game, AJ. So it's it's been great to see that go hand in hand. But when you broke down some of the players' performances, AJ, I'd be very remiss if I didn't share my comments on it because, I mean, Severe Wheeler, when we talk about him, AJ, and we say how big he stepped up, I mean, nine assists, one turnover, he moves into the 14th all-time list in UK history for assists, which might not sound like a big deal, but think of it, guys. There has been some incredible point guards for the University of Kentucky, and it's only his what, AJ, second year, third, yeah, second year. So, I mean, it's it's an impressive accomplishment individually for Severe Wheeler. And like we said, I mean, we knew his importance was going to stay no matter the significance of his role. And there's moments like this where you have to have him be great and look at him go. I mean, very reassuring to myself, you, AJ, and Big Blue Nation to know that he still got that performance in his back pocket and then let's not forget it or go accustomed to the fact that Oscar Sheepway is incredible, AJ. I mean, he's incredible. He, I don't know how he does it, but 14 points, 11 rebounds. That 11th rebound, AJ, now moves him into a spe- special category as top 15 all-time in rebounds for the University of Kentucky. So really some, some special accolades. But within SEC play, AJ, he's as consistent as can be for us. We know what we're going to get. He's averaging 15.3 points per game. He's averaging, no, 17 points per game, I apologize. 14.6 rebounds in SEC play, AJ. And he's got the most steals within the SEC. He leads the way, AJ, with only nine games, 14 steals, And he was doing it in even greater fashion last year, AJ, but he has still been able to find his way to impact the play defensively. And I know there's been some some gripes lately as far as his ability to defend, but he's incredible at reading passing lanes, deflecting passes, and I really love what he's doing for this team. And then the last thing I'll say, AJ, is we, we talked about this starting lineup last episode, and... We beg the question, you know, should we be starting a lineup with Kaysen and CJ and Antonio, Jacob, and Oscar? And then you have a performance like Chris Livingston just gave us, and he was a team-high 
plus 16 margin, AJ, in his 31 minutes for the Kentucky Wildcats. So when he was on the floor, he was incredibly both offensively and defensively. I know he only finished with six buckets, but or six points for a couple buckets. But what he's able to give this team with his physicality, with his ability to run the floor and finish at the rim, AJ, it's unparalleled. And you're starting to quickly see that teams are really having a hard time matching up against Chris Livingston, AJ, because he plays with a physicality like a five, but he's got a body of a guard almost. So, you know, it, it it's a nightmare to match up against. So I, I applaud Calipari for continuing to go to him for more minutes and find his rhythm because he really is starting to come into this role, AJ. And I think he can flourish even further. We got to see how much this kid can give us, but what he's been giving us lately is exponentially more important than, you know, the, the first half of the year. So I hope he can continue to grow in that role, but I'm really impressed of what he was able to give us and has been able to give us the last couple of games. But for me, AJ, we, we obviously finished with a, a nine point, margin of victory on the road against the bottom of the barrel team and Ole Miss to you, what is standing out as far as things to carry over as we transition into a much bigger primetime matchup with Florida quickly on the horizon this Saturday? Yeah. I mean, Sam, you said it was kind of an awkward night and a little bit weird. I had this odd feeling of the COVID season at one point, like during the game and just every time they would shoot to the crowd, you just see so many empty seats. It was, it was a little, it was a little weird and may have had something to do with the slow start for the Wildcats. But like I said, in my intro, I mean, the whole theme of the night was do enough to get the victory. And that's exactly what the Kentucky Wildcats did. And I mean, it would have been very easy for them to, to fold up, and say, yeah, our point guard's not here. Our other point guard tweaked his ankle, so let's mail this thing in and whatever. And that's the exact opposite of what happened. So you like to see that the team is is starting to become battle-tested, and you're seeing this growth within them When even when the game is close. I mean, you saw it in the Kansas game. Even when the game was close, Sam, they started to take the lead. We didn't panic. We didn't start doing things that were uncharacteristic of who we were. We just got beat that night, and this night we did enough to win. And so that's really what you have to take away from the from this victory here. You go on the road. Sure, you're not playing a great team, but like we said, you don't show up to play, you get beat. And you're playing a desperate team. You can't not show up and match that physicality and intensity. You don't match the intensity, you're going to lose the game. And so with not a much crowd and it's cold outside and you know they didn't know it but the team gets stuck there after the game and so kind of with that whole if are we going to get out of here looming and all that sort of thing you never know how a bunch of college kids are going to react sam you really don't and so to see them battle through that adversity during the game and then be able to separate themselves in the second half that's exactly what you want to see on the road in sec and so earlier in the season John Calipari made a comment about, hey, I need to figure out if my team can play on the road or not. And we're starting to figure that out now, Sam. We really are. We, we weren't great at it, and I made a comment about it a couple weeks ago. But we're starting to become a team that can go out on the road, and you can throw some different things at us, and we're able to find a way to navigate through the waters and come out with a victory. So that's that's what you really like about the game. And, you know, we highlighted the different players who, who played a role in all of that, and everybody really stepped up and played well and did the things that they were asked to do a few things that I think need to be cleaned up Sam that we can touch on here um the ball screen defense it continues to give us trouble we had some issues with it again and you know I I don't really know what it is but you gotta you gotta just read the scouting report and understand who you're defending and if this guy is somebody you need to fight over the ball screen on, or if this is somebody that you need to go under it, and then the communication between the guard and the big man that are getting put into this action needs to needs to get better because we're we're not 
one unit with those two guys at times and it's creating a disconnect and that's when you're getting these lobs and easy rolls to the basket and things of that nature so that needs to be cleaned up Um, we fell asleep on a few out of bounds plays unfortunately I didn't expect that but you can't let that happen I mean they burned us on two out of bounds plays under the basket and then one off the sideline and we literally just fell asleep on all three of them and we talk about that ball screen defense as well how about the off ball screen they ran a couple off ball screens where they they picked down on Oscar Shibway and and forced the action there and they were able to get a roll off of that where the point guard was able to feed it down low to the big man and we they got our our guard and big man into kind of a uncomfortable situation there so couple things there that we need to clean up on and then we talked about it hey they were a really good offensive rebounding team Sam and they don't hit a lot of shots and you saw that on full display if you you can force them into a lot of tough twos right we allowed 10 offensive rebounds which I think was a was a key for them to stay in the game as long as they did now if we were to limit that down I think the game could have crept up into that higher 15 plus point range with the with the margin of victory but again at the end of the day Sam they did enough to get the victory and that's all that matters and before we move on to start to look at the next matchup for Kentucky I just have one little thing I wanted to touch on because you brought up a really interesting point Sam about the transition and how we are a very efficient team in transition yet we still play at one of the slower paces in the country. And, you know, part of me just thinks like, hey, John Calipari is doing this for a reason. We need to have this this fundamental offense where it's so ingrained into us that we know what to do and where where to be and the spacing's right and all that thing because we know we can be good in transition, and doing that and trying to do that all year all year long is not going to get us anywhere unless we develop this this half court offense to where it needs to be right so i think down the stretch of the season and and potentially into the nca tournament sam i think you could see a little bit more of that athleticism and and high flying so to speak um, atmosphere going on with the Kentucky Wildcats where they're more willing to get out and transition when they feel more comfortable with, with what's going on and being able to execute their offense at a high level. Because at the end of the day, what it's going to come down to is you're going to be in a game at some point and you're going to have to execute your, your half-court offense at the end of the game. And if you don't have that to fall back on, then you're going to struggle in those moments. But we, you see how games get at the end of the year in conference tournament play and NCAA tournament play and down the stretch, Sam. A lot of times the, the cream starts to rise to the top and some of these teams are able to separate themselves and they do it by just being physically more athletic, more put together as a team and really starting to let those aspects of their team shine. So I, that was just a really interesting comment that you made. So I just kind of wanted to... to throw that out there but what do you say do you think that what do you think the reasoning is I guess you know we don't have to go too crazy into it what do you think the reasoning is for why this coaching staff is kind of reined in this offense and chooses to be a little bit more methodical and slowed down and and that sort of tempo as opposed to trying to push the pace in transition over and over and over like some other teams around the country do yeah well I think a lot of it has to also do with the the respect and knowledge that these coaching staffs or this coaching staff has AJ for the type of team that we have, because I, I, the way I look at it, I think there's a confidence level that like you're saying, we've built into our half court offense now. And, and like I alluded to, I mean, we are now a top 25 most effective offense in the entire country. I think we understand who we are offensively. I, I think there honestly is more lapses defensively at this point. If you choose to get out and transition over and over and over, AJ, you are choosing to also give your opponent that many more possessions per game. I think, honestly, that's part of where the issue lies. Is It's not maybe a lack of faith in our defense. It's more of just we know what type of team we can be when we are out in transition with limited takes as well as in the half court. So let's stick to that, you know, 
method of madness and let's stay away from continuously giving our opponent the ball back. So truthfully, I think it's more to do with that than anything. But again, I really like your take. I do kind of agree. I think this is a team that will continue to look for their opportunities to get out and run. I just think part of the reason we're so efficient is because we're also not always out and running. We, we know when to pick our slots, know when to pick our times to run. And if the opportunity is there, then great. And if not, I think we've learned to slow that ball down when we get to the half court and just say, hey, let's take our offense, let's take our chances in the half court as opposed to making a bad decision and throwing the ball away. So, um, you know, it, totally something to keep our eyes on. But I do think it's a, an element that I was surprised by the numbers as well. Yeah, I just, once you started talking about that, I thought that, it's it's an interesting conversation because I would I think you bring up a lot of good points there. I mean, you first off you got to get stops to be able to get out in transition, and then the opportunities have to present themselves. You can't just go at at a crazy pace just to go at a crazy pace. So um, we will continue to monitor that, Sam. But why don't we switch gears here, get off the win at Ole Miss, and we'll focus on the matchup this weekend where the Kentucky Wildcats and the Florida Gators will renew their rivalry in Lexington for the first of their two meetings scheduled for this season. The Gators right now sit at 13-9 overall and 6-3 and in conference play with a net ranking of 41 and a Ken Palm rating of 38. In their most previous game, they were able to hold Tennessee to only 54 points and came away with a 13-point home victory. This year, Florida has a new head coach, Todd Golden, who comes over from the University of San Francisco as the Gators continue to try and find the right man to bring them back to prominence. This team is led by 6'11 center Colin Castleton, who averages 15.1 points per game, 7.7 rebounds per game, a little over two assists per game, and most notably, 3.1 blocks per game. A truly physical presence down low and one of, if not the best shot blockers in the entire country. As was apparent in their last outing with the Volunteers, the Gators have been outstanding on defense as they currently sit inside the top 10 in defensive efficiency. They have the ability to force teams into tough, contested jumpers and really lock down the paint, being an elite shot-blocking team and a good rebounding team. Sam, outside of Colin Castleton, just a few players to also keep our eye on, one being Will Richard. Now, this is a guy who can really get cooking from three. He, on the season, is shooting over 41% from the three-point line, a 6-4 guard with a lot of size who also averages a shade over four rebounds per game, so going to have to have a body on him. And then a transfer that they have, Kyle Lofton, coming in from St. Bonaventure. Not necessarily a three-point shooter, but a guy who can really attack the rim, get down, finish around the rim, and then get himself to the free throw line where he shoots free throws at an elite clip. So, Sam, what do the Wildcats have to do in order to deal with Colin Castleton knowing that this Florida team is based around him on the offensive and defensive sides of the ball? And can you dive into the rest of the Gators roster? And then what does Kentucky have to do on offense specifically in order to get enough good looks and have success against this elite defensive team? Yeah, I mean, this is a, a Florida team that is... Very similar, AJ, to the Kentucky Wildcats in where they are currently in their season, AJ. I mean, it's it's interesting. You know, they, they sit six and three. We sit six and three with an SEC play. It, they're we're fifteen and seven. They're thirteen and nine. I mean, a couple of games off here and there, but um, you know, there's no secret to the the recipe that they're running with. And it's large in part what kind of Kentucky was doing for a large portion of their season, which was give it to your big and rely on him to carry the majority of the weight, which Colin Castleton has been fantastic. You know, last year, AJ's coming out of the season averaging 16 and nine. And if you're 
you're quick to remember, he had a couple of stellar performances against the Kentucky Wildcats last year. Um, you know, 18 and seven, I think 20 something and 11, one game. So he's going to get his, I, I think the ability of the Wildcats and the most important thing we have to place on this game is how can we slow him down? You're not going to be able to stop him. He, he's much like a scenario with Jalen Wilson, AJ. I, I mean, he's a type of player that's going to get his looks. He's going to score the basketball. Can we do enough to prevent him from having a massive night and being a game wrecker? That, that's, that's my honest opinion. And I mean, honestly, AJ, it kind of starts with us offensively going up against this tree of a man i mean he's averaging three blocks a game aj his ability to not only block shots but also just put players in duress and force up awkward layups is incredible and it's something that the kentucky wildcats are going to have to find a way to adjust to you cannot continuously drive into the lane and throw up bad twos so we're going to have to find a way oscar sheway is not in unfamiliar territory. He has gone up against Castleton numerous times in his career now that he's come over to the Kentucky Wildcats, so he knows what he's going to have to have in his bag to be able to finish against Castleton. And let's be honest, AJ, the performances that we saw last year, I know Oscar Sheway struggles against length and struggles against height, but he has found his success against Castleton, AJ. He has been able to have just as impactful games, and I think that's where we were able to find our victories last year, AJ, was Oscar Sheway was able to offset the importance of Colin Castleton for the Kentucky Wildcats against this Florida Gators team. So I'm really looking for Oscar Sheway to be able to have an impactful night both offensively and defensively and really limit the Florida Gators second chance shots. I mean, like you said, I, I know that Ole Miss is a good offensive rebounding team and they have to be. Otherwise, you know, gosh, they might only put up 40 points a game every night, but we have to get back on the boards, AJ, as, as a team. And we really have to out rebound this Florida Gators team because we cannot allow Colin Castleton and company to continuously hit the offensive boards and really get second, third opportunities. We, we've got to limit those. The next big thing, AJ, is something that we already talked about. We kind of have to lean on the recipe that's working, and you said it, AJ. This is a Florida Gators team that's extremely efficient defensively. They know how to lock you down. They play gritty defense, and they know how to block and deflect shots and passes, AJ. They'll clog lanes, and they do it effectively. So one thing I challenge this Kentucky Wildcats team to do is exactly what we were just talking about. When you have opportunities in transition, you have to take them. you got to get out and force this defense to be uncomfortable and not get set prior to the half-court offense, AJ. So really look for the Kentucky Wildcats to do two things really well that will help us lead us to a victory, which is A, rebound the basketball, two, outlet the basketball, and run the freaking court. I want to see everyone flying up the court with a purpose. Fill lanes, run to the basket, and try to make this defense not have the luxury of making you set up in a half-court offense. They're not a team that's necessarily one to send you full-court pressure, AJ, so we really need to look for ways to break this team down before the half-court. So, I think that's a big opportunity. You, you mentioned a couple of names, AJ, with Will Richard. I mean, this kid's averaging just over 10 points, and he's definitely one of those guys that you just can't let get free. I, I mean, you can't because there's going to be an emphasis, and I'm intrigued to find out if John Calipari is going to be sending a double on Colin Castleton or not, or if he's going to make Oscar Sheway. And I think Lance Ware is going to get some considerable minutes against Colin, Colin Castleton, AJ, because – I love the physicality he brings. I love the way he plays defense. He's not going to play or let anyone play bully ball against him. So I really do think he could be a key piece to this Kentucky Wildcats matchup. But it's going to be interesting because if we choose to defend with doubling Castleton, you got to know how to clog those lanes. So Castleton, I mean, he's a tall guy, 6'11", AJ. You can't let him pass out of the trees down low and let – 
guys get free. You, you just can. you have to know who the shooters are, and this goes for every game, Sam. But it, more importantly, in a game like this with a guy like Castleton, know who the shooters are on the court at all times. When you're sending a double team, do not leave the guy who can knock down the three. Let him throw it to the guy who's going to sit there and think about whether he wants to shoot the three or not. Sorry for interrupting. Oh, dude, no interruption. But you're totally right. I mean, we have to have a scouting report. I'm I'm going to say it, but I think everyone knows what's coming. They're going to put us... And high ball screen action, AJ. So let's see what the Kentucky Wildcats do. Uh, I think against a guy like Colin Castleton, AJ, when they're going to put him in a high ball screen scenario, from looking at the tape, AJ, I rewatched the Ole Miss game. I think the best success that we found in those high ball screen actions is when we play drop coverage with Oscar Sheepway. So look for some opportunities to do that and replicate that efficiency because AJ you're not you don't have the luxury of pressing on a high ball screen when Colin Castleton's 611 and you can kind of just float it anywhere if he gets a switch and and honestly he's either going to the line or he's going to finish so I, I think our best opportunity is play drop coverage hope that they do not absolutely scorch you from three and really focus on your ability to close out. So we'll have to see what kind of package Calipari puts together, but I think that's something that we'd be remiss if we didn't bring up, AJ. I mean, we'll have to kind of wait and see, but they're coming in with some swagger. I'm glad that we're at home, AJ, but they got that huge victory over Tennessee, one that we were able to have luxury of having earlier this season as well. So like I said, two teams fighting for position in the SEC, fighting to get to that next tier and and realistically put a resume together. So every game is a one-game season for the Kentucky Wildcats at this point, AJ. We can't afford any losses, but this would be a dagger in my honest opinion. So we've got to put together a collective effort and really fight hard because this is a team that is coming off of a performance against Tennessee that only allowed 54 points, AJ, and they only fouled 11 times. That's my last point. You've got to be physical with this team. You cannot possibly tell me there's any reason that we only allow them to foul us 11 times. Be physical be the more imposing team and get to the basket. Because, look, what do you, what's the best way, AJ? I mean, we played ball when we were kids. What's the best way to finish when you've got a big man guarding you? You've got to bully him off and try to create some separation. Otherwise, he's going to sit there and block you all day long. So get downhill and really try to impose your physicality so he cannot have the luxury of just standing and being the tall tree that gets three blocks a game. So... I'm intrigued, but what do you think the Kentucky Wildcats can do to score on this effective of a, a an opponent defensively? Yeah, I mean, I think it starts down low with Oscar Shibley, and what I don't think you want to do is, you know, throw it down to Oscar Shibley with his back to the basket and try to dribble and back down Castleton or anything of that nature. I think you need to get the ball to Oscar Shibway quickly before Castleton is set right behind him so he can kind of slither his way up to the basket or you need to get him you need to pull Castleton away from the basket a little bit and get Oscar that ball in in the in the mid-range and use your quickness because there's no way this guy can keep up with your quickness sure he's got the length but he is not nearly as athletic and quick laterally as Oscar Shibway is there's it's just there's no way when you allow this guy to to roam the paint and stand there and wait for shot block or for shot blocking opportunities to present themselves and for guys to crash or drive the lane and try to get it up over him, that's what this guy's going to thrive on, okay? That's what he's thrived on his whole career. You have to find a way to pull him away from the basket, make him defend you farther away from the basket, because that's just going to open up more looks. Three-point shooting is going to be key, Sam. We have to knock down shots in this game. We have to absolutely knock them down. If they're going to... 
we'll see how they choose to defend Oscar Shibway because like I said, I mean, I don't think they're going to double team him. They have a guy who they would assume could and probably have confidence in that can defend Oscar Shibway. So, you know, maybe some of those three point looks that Antonio Reeves was getting last game off of that double team for the, the kick out and wide open three may not be there. So let's continue to try to work. I mean, you're, you're it's pretty consistent now what's going on with the Cats. They're either trying to get the ball down low to Oscar Shibwe or they're running action up at the top with, with, with the weave type action where they're trying to get either C.J. Frederick or Antonio the Reeves or Kaysen Wallace the ball on one of the wings with the ability to either shoot, pass, or dribble, right? So continuing to do that and then... You know, use your athleticism in this game, Sam. Find the mismatches. See who is able to break their guy down off the dribble and start to create mismatches out there is what I think you have to do. You have to be able to make this team move and break them down off the dribble. If you don't do that and you allow them to stay in their defensive positions, you're going to have a tough time scoring on them, especially with a seven-foot monster roaming the paint sam it's just you have to get this team moving and you have to knock down shots i mean you saw the success they had against tennessee but what's the one knock against tennessee a team that can really get bottled up and struggled on offense at times you can't do that against this team they're too good defensively they kind of feed off of that energy sam so and then everything they do on offense it's all centered around castleton they are looking to work the ball through him. I mean, if you've seen Purdue play this year, they play through a seven-foot monster in Zach Eady. Like, why wouldn't you? It's the same thing that Florida does. They are looking to get the ball into the post, and then if you're going to play him straight up, we'll take that matchup every time, and if you want to double-team us, we will kick the ball and try to get the hands into the ball, into the hands of our shooters. So that is priority number one. I know we've talked about Castleton a lot, Sam, but he really is the engine of this Florida Gators team. And so he is priority number one in defending and then how you choose to attack on the offensive side. Because like you said earlier, I mean, I don't think just running downhill at this guy and trying to get fouls or trying to go up over him on a consistent basis is what you want to try to do. He's too good at what he does. So you have to find a way to pull him away from the basket at times. You have to get him moving right and left and make him move, make them all move. And that's how you start to break down the defense. So the ball movement is so key in this game. The spacing on offense is so key in this game. And then getting the ball down low and working from the inside out at times with Oscar Shibwe and... Because the one thing you can't do, Sam, is say, oh, well, they got a guy down low, so we're just going to take everything from the perimeter and not try to get the ball down low because you're not going to make enough shots just chucking them up from the outside the whole time. You've got to be able to work the ball down low. And who knows, maybe you can get him into foul trouble if you attack him early in the game. And now he's got to sit down for a little while and put them in a real tough position. But I fully expect, Sam, the crowd to be absolutely electric i mean you know what these kentucky florida basketball games are like i mean i went i went down to the swamp i told the story a while back when we were struggling about that year i went down there those fans they're nuts man they're not they're not kentucky basketball fans but they're gonna have some gators fans coming up to rupp arena and they're gonna want to spoil the day and we can't allow two teams to come in to our arena on back-to-back Saturdays and beat us. This is a statement game, Sam. I mean, this this is where you stake your claim. We're going to have to go there and play them later in a couple weeks, right? You have to hold serve on your home court. This is a game, again, that will look good on the resume going forward and down the stretch go a long way. So it is very important to get this key victory in. The one thing, Sam, that we're going to have to monitor is Cason Wallace, because it makes a huge difference whether he's not in the game or not. And so regardless of what's going on, I think it's clear that Severe Wheeler is ready and able to step up and play that role. So depending on which point guard it is, we may have to switch things up just a little bit and how we want to attack this defense, this Florida defense and how we want to defend ourselves. 
but we'll have to monitor that situation. I mean, they didn't make it seem like it was anything too serious, but you never know. I mean, especially something in the leg and knee-ish, knee area, you don't really want to mess with that. So we'll see what's going on, but either way, we're going to have to have a game plan going in to beat these Florida Gators. And the last thing I'll say about them, Sam, every team they I know they have nine losses. They have not lost to a team that is outside the net top 50. They have not all season. Go look at their go look at their schedule. They have not lost to a bad basketball team all year. They will come to play. They will fight. And if you don't weather the storm at times and give them that back and match their energy, you're going to have a tough time winning. But if you can match that energy and get up for this game and play physical like you have the last couple of games in the last couple of weeks now here in the season, then we got ourselves a ball game, Sam. And, you know, we'll see where the chips fall. But uh, we talked about the six-game winning streak, a chance to go on it at some point. Well, here's opportunity number two. We just got the one on the road on Tuesday. But like you said, Sam, it's a one-game season. Every single game is a one-game season from here on out. And you got to get the W. It's do or die time now. You're going to put yourself in a real vulnerable position if you're not able to come away with a victory in this game. So it is very important to come out locked and loaded and ready to roll. And Sam... I'll give it back to you if you got anything else to add about this Florida Gators team. Um, And if not, then we'll move on to our last segment and get these power rankings uh, done from the SEC. But uh, I'll throw it back to you. You can, if you got anything else to say about the Gators, if not, then lead us into the power rankings either way. Just roll on into it. Not, not so much, honestly, about the, the Gators anymore. Let's talk about our Kentucky Wildcats, AJ, and and one Kentucky Wildcat in specific that um, can really be an X factor down the stretch for us. Whether we do something special and we go on this, you know, six game win streak plus, or you know, when we make or if we make the the tournament, but we have to have him stuffed up at one point or another. And I think you all know who I'm going to talk about, and that's CJ Frederick, AJ, and. You know, when I talk about that transition offense and all the success we've seen, when we factor in CJ, he's in transition, AJ, only 9 of 20. So he's, he's, he's close, right? But then elsewhere, he's 20 for 68. That, that's where he really struggles, AJ. So, you know, we got to find a way to get this kid going outside of transition and it's it's not for a lack of open opportunities, AJ. You you break down the film, it's it's nothing to do with that. I think it's everything to do with confidence, AJ. And it might be affecting him more than he's leading on. It might be that that hurt dislocated finger, but at this point, AJ, we have to have more from him because Calpari continues to, to defend CJ and I I hear it. You know, he's a leader for us on, on court. He communicates better than anyone he plays defense, which I broke down the tape. I would have to beg to differ with his defensive performance, at least against Ole Miss, AJ. So, um, you know, I, I don't really want to hear that argument at this moment. However, I know he has been that staple, you know, defender for us thus far in the season. But let's be honest, AJ, let's call a spade a spade. The only reason he's out there right now is because he's an absolute threat. The threat of him being out there and being a shooter gives us the ability to stretch the floor, gives us more spacing offensively. And thankfully, he's, for the most part, been a somewhat good defender during this stretch. But, but I mean, honestly, AJ, we have to have him do more things because if he can't, we're going to have to find different adjustments, different lineups. We're going to have to throw in Chris with – Kaysen and and maybe severe in different scenarios and obviously I want Antonio Reeves out there as many minutes as humanly possible at this point but we gotta have CJ Frederick step up and he's he's gotta knock down some shots man I mean in his last two games he's finishing with two points that's unacceptable he knows it I know it we all know it but but I had to bring it up AJ because look I 
I'm rooting for the kid. I want him to, but we can't let anyone just skate free. We've got to let this kid, you know, find a way to get hot one way or another. And I don't care if it's from three or not, but he's not even hitting his floaters, his layups, his jump shots. I mean, I I don't know what it is, AJ, but we've got to find a way to get him going. Because when you hear about the reports of him in practice and him in warmups, he's lights out. He's knocking down every shot, every Every media reporter still says it's not that. So it's got to be something mentally. It's got to be a little confidence thing going, or it's got to be the pace of play that he can't quite find. I'm not sure, but um, let's really hope that he can step up because when you say we got to knock down shots, I mean, we went 50% from three-point line, AJ, and that was a huge portion of why we were able to separate ourselves down the stretch with Antonio, Antonio Reeves obviously catching fire. So, that would be a huge opportunity for us to apply the pressure, especially at home against this Gators team. So we got to knock down shots and and I hope he can be one of them to step up and be that X factor for us. I I say you just draw up the first play of the game, whether you win the tip or not, and you just go straight to him and you run some action to get him a shot. And you tell CJ, listen, you don't take the shot. You're not playing the rest of the game. And you just draw up the play and you let him fire one. And he hits that first one and bang. All right, there we go. Let's roll. You know, I mean, it's worth a shot. I love it. It's worth a shot at this point when you're only scoring two points in in a combination of two games. I mean, I absolutely agree. I I hope we get to see it this Saturday night. Well, we shall see. But obviously, it should be a great matchup and always fun when the Wildcats and the Gators get together. A little bad blood there, a heated rivalry. So we 100%. know Rupp will be rocking on Saturday night. How about that? Another Saturday night game. I think that's, what, three Saturdays in a row it'll be where we have late night Saturday games. You know, I'm used to getting up, watching the game around noon or so, waiting all the way around until 8.30 on a Saturday. It can be tricky sometimes, but I don't know about you. I always find myself in front of the TV when the, t- when the game starts. So, 100%. But let's get in, AJ, yeah, let's, to our let's last do segment. It. And let's break down our updated SEC power rankings. It's, you know, lots of transpired. Uh, I would say some movement here. I mean, I'm intrigued to hear what your opinions are. But we got to start with that first tier, AJ. And... If you care to argue me, I think that first no. tier is still clearly Alabama and Tennessee. I know Tennessee just had that upset loss to Florida. However, the stretch they've been able to go on, AJ, that Big 12 SEC challenge win that they were able to have over Texas, a top 10 team in the country, the way they defend the basketball, that keeps them in that first tier, you know, regardless of that loss, AJ. And then Alabama, I mean, I know that they laid a goose egg just last week, but they were. Bonded in just incredible fashion, showing that they are still one of the top teams in all of the country. So, you know, they are a team absolutely to continue to be afraid of. And this is the first tier, AJ, that I am labeling contenders. These these teams are contenders. Yeah, I mean, it hasn't changed since the last time we did this two weeks ago, Sam. Those were the top two teams we had, and they haven't gone anywhere. They have not done anything to take themselves out of that line. I mean, you're looking at two teams that are looking at number one or number two overall seeds in the NCAA tournament at this point. So there's not much nitpicking to do, but you know, they, every time these teams have lost, they bounce back and they respond. And you said it with Bama. I mean, holy cow, man, that's, that's quite the statement. I mean, they, they used and abused the Vanderbilt Commodores the other night, okay? That so, they did. That they did. Um, the only question about Tennessee is if they can score enough points, Sam. I mean, that's, that's the only that's, question. That's yep. been their bugaboo, and the narrative this year has been that they are that team that can score enough because uh, we'll have to see. I mean, yeah. they're a great team, don't get me wrong, but you just never know when that game is in the tournament where they go cold and – you're in for a dogfight. So we're going to have to see how they develop over the last stretch and, of the season. But And I hear that, but I, I think there's always that argument. There's going to be nights in the NCAA tournament where you might not find yourself hot, but that's where great teams step up defensively, and we know that UT can do it. So, you know, as much as there's glaring concerns offensively, 
I think those get worked out, AJ. I think they're still going to be a very deep threat come March Madness. And, I mean, Bama's still that number one team in SEC, in my honest opinion. I mean, there, there's no doubt about it. They stand alone, and they honestly will most likely end up that, uh, as a one seed in the entire tournament. So we'll, we'll see, AJ. But for me, when we move down to that second tier, I've got two teams in that category. How about yourself? I understand why you separated these these next two teams, and we kind of had this like huge hodgepodge of teams the last time we did this, right? Kind of in that in that middle pack. Right. So, give me let, explain to me why you have these two teams above the next three. And then I'll kind of dive into those three teams, but just t- t- tell tell me tell me and the listeners why you think these two teams have separated themselves above the middle of the pack there, but not quite up into that elite category of contenders in the SEC yet. Yeah. So for me, AJ, in the second tier, I have two teams sitting just above a a third tier that is crowded with four other teams. So for me, it's Kentucky and Missouri that sit alone in tier two within the SEC, AJ. Now, my reasoning is because both of these teams have now found a rhythm within SEC play and outside, and they've been able to put statement wins together and do it both on the road and at home. I know we obviously have had our ups and downs this season, but to be honest, we're finding a way to win basketball games, and... Missouri is doing the same thing, and they're actually, if anything, A.J., getting better. I mean, their offense is not to be messed with, and it's honestly one of the more potent offenses in the entire country. I separated them out from this next tier because I think it's the consistency piece that you're starting to get, A.J. You're starting to see that Missouri can do it every night. They can do it game in and game out. They are not showing that immaturity of struggle and neither are the Kentucky Wildcats I mean say what you will but the team that we lost to in Kansas is one of the top teams in the entire country AJ and since our last discussion not much has changed we've taken care of business when we've needed to take care of business we haven't lost elsewhere so that's why I still have Kentucky at that second tier we're showing that we can stick with anyone in the country the unfortunate truth might be that we can lose to anyone in the country, but we can definitely play with them, and that's why I've got us just above that next tier because the following tier is still having some, I'd say, identity struggles, and we'll get into those teams, but I think that they're finding ways to win because they're great teams, they're well-coached, but they don't necessarily have that defined identity that's winning them basketball's game in and night out because they are starting to struggle here and there. But for you, AJ, who sits atop this second tier and work out of it for me? Yeah. I mean, I think I, I, I'll, I would agree with you with, with UK and Missouri. So I'm not going to give you any pushback there. I think they are two teams I'm comfortable putting there. So when we look at this, this third tier here, I think there's, it's, it's really interesting. I mean, Honestly, Sam, I think Texas A&M might be that team that's right below UK and Missouri. I mean, I I just I like what they've done, Sam. I mean, you can't really knock anything they've done within the SEC. They've they've taken care of business night in and night out. Yeah, sure, they lost to Kentucky, but I mean, they're still sitting up there at the top of the conference right now as far as win-loss record. So, they have continued to play well. Auburn I would put right there, right behind a and I mean, you could flip-flop those if you want to. Auburn can be a little bit inconsistent at times, struggle to score the basketball uh, here and there, but you know how that team's played for years now under Bruce Pearl, and they always give themselves a chance down the stretch of the season, so I don't expect them to go anywhere. And then the other two teams that we're going to put there, Sam, and really, these are the only other two teams that have a chance to make the NCAA tournament because once you get past this third tier, you're looking at a bunch of teams that are really on the outside looking in. And so it's it's funny that these are the two teams that sit here, but I mean, you almost talk about two ships passing in the night, Sam. 
Florida has really started to kind of find out who they are as a basketball team and you know, they have a new coach, so it's taken a little while to come together with a few transfers and some older guys who stuck around and whatnot, but they're starting to play better basketball and you're seeing their efficiency numbers start to rise and the wins are starting to come for them. And then you have the Arkansas Razorbacks who were like the Kentucky Wildcats and one of the preseason top picks to potentially get to a final four and be a number one or two team in the SEC. And they're trending in the opposite direction as Florida. I mean, those injuries, Sam, it's a part of the game and they have struggled to replace those parts. I mean, it's it's almost sad watching them play at times because you know how good they could be and I feel bad for them. It's it's tough position to be in. But for me, they're definitely a team who has, since the first quarter of the season, has started to slowly trend in the opposite direction. And so I don't think that's where you want to be as a team. And I don't really see any way in which they can find a way to kind of turn that corner and become one of those better teams there. I think they might just be stuck. I mean, they're not going to give up. But no, I, think, I, mean, I mean, it's Eric Musselman. He's a hell yeah. of a coach, and he, he's not going to let his team roll over him. And they, they're coming off the heels, AJ, of an, a nice win against Texas A&M. So they, they're, they're well coached. They're, they fight hard. They're going to beat a tough night. Like, you're not going to be able to step up against Arkansas and say W just because they're missing two of their most productive teams players on their team and and if not should have been in the country yeah i just i think at this point it's like they totally have a ceiling now and it's right where they are right now and they 100%. can't go any further they can't go any higher than that so it's just tough to right. vault them any higher than that but you do have to respect where they are and i like i said they're still in this category of teams that are right there who either could find themselves in the ncaa they could they could play themselves in, they could play themselves out. And that that's right. the same with any of these teams here. Um right. could find themselves in some in some tough situations if they if they trend downwards towards the end of the season. But if they right. continue to trend up like most of them have, then they should all find themselves within that field of Well, yeah. Teams. I, I I totally agree, AJ. And I think, you know, some of our listeners are probably sitting here saying, Well, how the heck do you guys have Auburn? lower than Kentucky right now. They're a top 25 team. I think, AJ, if I'm not mistaken, they currently sit at the 25-seed spot. But I know they're 7-2 and two in conference play, AJ, but they have not been as tested as some of these other teams, including the Kentucky Wildcats. They're about to find out who the heck they are, especially oh. within conference play, AJ. Their next game on Saturday afternoon is at Tennessee against the number two Volunteers. Then they go at Texas A&M, AJ, and then they welcome Alabama. So, And then on the heels of that, if you don't really want to stop, then they play Missouri. So everyone they've played so far has been the bottom of the barrel of yep. the SEC. 100%. So that's why I'm saying, okay, I know they're a top 25 team, but they have showed life with struggle. They're about to find out how hard life can be within the SEC. And they're going to be battle-tested for it, but I don't know which way they're going to come out, high or low, but they're going to know who they are in about four weeks' time, AJ. Two weeks' time, I mean, in four games. Yeah, and, and this is this is just a little bit of a, of a lesson for everyone out there listening, okay? Who cares about record? I don't care. You shouldn't care. When you look at a matchup, throw the records out the building. It does not matter. Sure, what they've done recently matters and how they've been playing, but the overall record, win-loss, does not matter. It's all about matchups, and you can't get bogged down about the win-loss record just because some team is sitting there with five more wins than another team. You have to consider who they've played, where the games have been played, and all those types of things matter. So you have to understand the team and the body of the work and who they've beaten. And you take all that into consideration and you can't just say, hey, well, yeah, Auburn is in the top 25. Screw the top 25. Who cares? It doesn't matter. They're just stupid rankings. If it, anything, it, we've learned this year, AJ, the top 25 is not indicative of who the t- top you, 25 you teams are in the there. country. Because you got a big old X on your forehead and yeah. every other team's coming for you and anyone can beat you on any given night. So I absolutely agree with your opinion. I know there's the saying that you are what your record says. And unfortunately, 
there's some truth to that when it comes to making the postseason and and your ranking for you know the SEC tournament. However, if you're Kentucky, and I know we're the we're the ones trying to push the paper for them, AJ. My honest opinion is you just have to stop worrying about that and you got to continue to stack wins because look at where we were when we started the SEC and where we are now, AJ. We have an opportunity to continue to stack wins and before you know it, you're either in second, third place in the SEC and you're looking at the inside of March Madness rather than the outside looking in. So just keep fighting, man. Absolutely. And you know what, Sam? I think we won't even spend time on the rest of these teams. I mean, you're talking about Georgia, Mississippi State, and Vanderbilt on that that fourth tier. I mean, yeah. all those teams on the outside looking in, and then the bottom tier, LSU, Ole Miss, and South Carolina. And really the shocking thing is the LSU. I mean, they have just completely right. fallen off a cliff. It, it's tough to watch. I mean, they are just losing games left and right, and they were up in that – that tier of teams who could have played themselves into a position to be in the NCAA tournament, and they have completely played their way out of the NIT. So it's it's unfortunate to see, but you know what? That's the way it goes sometimes when you don't show up to play and you're not willing to fight in conference play. So we'll leave it at that, Sam. Uh, we've we've run long tonight, so let's let's get up and, and get out of here. I think we've done a good job of covering the Ole Miss game, previewing the matchup with the Florida Gators this weekend. And uh, before we do get out of here, just the one thing I wanted to say was, I know last time I was talking about we got the website up and and the YouTube page and all that fun stuff. Well, go to www.alloutkentuckypodcast.com. Up in the top right-hand corner right there is a little image of the mail. Click on it. You can email me directly, okay? Please email me. I want some feedback on the show, what you guys like, what you maybe don't like, things that you would like us to talk about. I want to be able to interact with some of you all and possibly answer some of your questions on the podcast and have a little segment where we we read some of your questions and and have some fun with this thing. So please go on to the alloutkentuckypodcast.com, little mail right in the top right-hand corner, click it email me and I want to get in touch with all of you. So Sam, again, thank you for your time tonight and your expertise on the Kentucky Wildcats. And thank you to everybody who is listening and go cats. See y'all. There's only one thing left to say. Oh, C-A-T-S, cats, cats, cats.